you just have to you just have to touch it and it goes limp. I don't know how you've done that. I thought I've got it. Judas kiss. <laughs> Hello. Hello. You're listening to Track by Track with me, Dan. And me, Will. This is the music podcast. We take a great pop music album and break it down track by track. Yes, we do it for us, but we also do it for you too. <laughs> and on the turntable this week, it's All That You Can't Leave Behind by you too. Will, you too on Track by Track. Dan, before we get into that, can we just have a moment of silence for that de- that joke dying on its ass? <laughs> No, because the amount of uh, applause and uh, sound effects I'm going to put on there, it's going to look like a rip-roaring success. <laughs> Can't polish a Ted. Uh, but no, you two on track by track. Yes, who would have thought it? Not me. No, and not me, because I am a huge fan of you two. And, you know, we've talked many times before about we've got so much in common music-wise, and then we've both got things that the other one maybe doesn't appreciate so much. I've loved you two forever. One of my favourite bands of all time. And I didn't think we'd do them on this podcast, but then one recording session, and I think it was over a year ago, I said something about having them on the podcast as a joke, and you made just a very casual comment about how you might be okay with that. And I took that as a verbal contract that, yes, we can have them on the podcast. And here we are today. Well, I hope you don't use that approach in every aspect of your life. Well, verbal contract. Science seal delivered. (laughs) Uh, no, and the re- I'll tell you for why. I am not a huge YouTube fan, but I have fond memories of the summer of 1997 when I went to see U2 on their Pop Mart tour in Vienna. And I was charmed, um, not only by the, the songs, the music, but also just the grandeur and scale of the whole thing. It really wowed me and made me think twice uh, and actually, I've always, since then, I've always kept a passing interest in you 2 Yeah. And that Pop Mart tour, I didn't see it. But of course, I've seen pictures and videos and whatnot. It looked spectacular. I think if I could, if there's one show, certainly one tour of U2s that I didn't get to see that I'd go back and see would be that one. It looked phenomenal. Mind-blowing. It was. It really was. And it was the icing on the cake to a lovely summer in Austria. And um, Yeah, so I should uh, delve a little deeper. What were you doing in Austria, Will? I was on an exchange program. Oh, lovely. I was staying with my uh, exchange student partner, Hans Peter. Oh. If you're listening, Hans, or Peter, or Hans Peter, hello. Hello. Or oh, guten tag. Guten tag. Lovely. And Willkommen and track by track. Oh, you quite uh, kept the language up, did you? I like I the French. Still, I still like to frequent a German tongue. Yes. Wrap yourself around it. So, do we need to explain who you two are? Well, do you know what, Will? We might have to. Some of our listeners, if they've stayed with us this far into this episode, might have just ignored you two the whole time. So, let's, let's, let's do the deed. So, you two are an Irish rock band from Dublin. Uh, they were formed in 1976. And you know the members of you two? I'm sure you do, Dan. But uh, if you were uh, unsure, you've got Bono, The Edge, Adam Clayton... Uh, and Larry Mullen. Yes. Uh, And they're all pretty iconic in their own, as individuals, as much as they are in U2, aren't they? Absolutely. And it's quite rare for a band who've been going for as long as U2 have been going to have all four original members and no lineup changes throughout their career. And they're still going strong now. Absolutely. Uh, And we are going to be taking something from, I guess it's bang, smack, bang, wallop in the middle of their musical career. Although it does feel more recent than maybe it is. I was going to say that. And this is kind of similar to when we were talking about music with Jodie Harsh a few weeks ago. Feel Because there's so much work before this album and there was so much work before that Madonna album, you kind of think of this as a later album. But of course, yeah, there's so much has happened since then. But as well, I think bands slow down or artists slow down, don't they, as they get on. So there, there might not be as many albums or singles since then, but there's been as many years and tours and all that kind of thing. And Dan, can I ask, what's your all-time favourite U2 track? Oh, I was honestly not prepared for this at all. Um, really? Yeah, I don't know why. <laughs> I just should have been. Um, 
I'm going to go with, uh, it's quite obvious, but it's actually got a real uh, personal heartfelt meaning to me as well, uh, with or without you. Oh. Yeah, because when you left that summer in Austria, I was sat next to a window, it was raining. <laughs> I hadn't met you yet, but I just knew that I was missing you somehow. <laughs> oh, psychic. Yes. Psycho. Oh, you are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, what's your favourite? I, mean, I was going to mention with or without you, but then I also th- thought about um, discotech. Yes. Give it a bit of a Franz Ferdinand spin there. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do absolutely love more for the dance floor, but I love the Perfecto remix of even better than the real thing. Yes. And it's, yeah, actually, when you talked about seeing the Pop Mart tour, of course, that was from the Pop album. Um, I did think there were that was that sound of theirs when they were, uh, I suppose, experimenting with pop music um, as a rock band. I did think there'd be a lot of that that would be your kind of thing. Of course, even better than the real thing wasn't from that album, but um, Discotech certainly was. That was a mouthful. I know. Yeah, I just don't want any YouTube fans writing don't go in. Writing in. Yeah, because we're trying our best here. Now, I would also like to point out, Will, that this episode, this album, is the start of. Uh, a month on Track by Track where we're talking about iconic albums that are turning 20. So this album turns 20 later this month, but the reason we're talking about it this week is because the lead single, Beautiful Day, which we're going to talk about, turns 20 in just a few days' time. Dan, can I ask, was that a happy accident or was that intentional? Like me being born, a happy accident. Ah, <laughs> Well, an accident. <laughs> So, Dan, we should, I should actually talk about the album that we're going to be talking about today at this point. Yes, good idea. As you've alluded to. So, we are talking about all that you can't leave behind today. So, this was released in 2000. 2000 doesn't feel like 20 years ago. No. But it was. Terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. So, this was the 10th studio album by you 2 uh, And, Dan, who was on the produce for this album? We've got a mixed bag, you'll be pleased to know. So we have, and we'll go into a bit more detail, of course, on them all later, but we've got the legendary Brian Eno. 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 We've got Daniel Lanois. I'm going to say Lanois. Lanois. Is it definitely Lanois? Mm. Oh, sorry, Daniel. Me and my uh, common English tongue. If you need some help later with some of the more French language, we can set some time aside later for uh, Frenching. (laughs) As well as that, we have got Steve Lillywhite and Mike Hedges. And there's one other one, Will, but I'm not going to mention them now because I only found out about this person's um, participation in this album when doing the research. And I was shocked, Will. I was shocked. Are they a track-by-track name? Yes. It's not Stuart Price. It's not Richard X. It's not Xenomania. But we've talked about them a lot lately. Certainly uh, on the new music drop. Don't guess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's get stuck in, shall we, Dan? Yes. So, side one, track one of All That You Can't Leave Behind. This is Beautiful Day. day there and that is i mean it's a great first track of an album isn't it it really is and single number one track number one and this was number one of course it was number one this sounds like a number one single it does yeah and around this time you two were having number ones of course now when they release stuff i think they have moved more towards that but then again how do people get number ones anymore it's i don't understand how the charts the chart, it was a different time a different time uh, but it was expected for you two to get number one and rightfully it was number one and it was their 14th number one as well so you know that's quite a precedent there isn't it definitely but i remember this coming out i remember going to asda and getting the single and being very excited hearing it on the run-up to it on on tv on the box perhaps or something like that and just wanting to own that that cd and back in at this time in 2000 certainly pop was my preferred genre i'd say but there's just something about you two and this song that i just it's uplifting it's uh, full of energy it's euphoric 
and it has just become it's it's one of those tracks that's become its own thing hasn't it really mm. it's, it's a timeless track i'd say how many uh things like sports highlights packages on tv has this been used as the music to because of that um and actually this track it's about losing everything but still finding joy i think that's a lovely message mm. particularly from four multi-millionaires it's great for them to uh give us that hope um should we talk about their tax evasion I- not really. That's tax by tax. That's uh, different. <laughs> Our podcast. money, money uh, uh, with Martin Lewis, special yeah. guest. Oh, lovely man. I, I did think we could do something, and hopefully, make this as if you're listening to this, it might have happened or not. As a special treat, we could arrange for this episode to be automatically downloaded into everybody's uh, Apple Podcasts uh, oh, app on release a, day. That is a very good idea, and I. I think that's not going to backfire, is it? People no. aren't going to hate that. Surely people would love that. I think it's a lovely gesture. Yeah. Great idea. And this was definitely, uh, as the only track from the album, A, they are setting their stall out to show that, uh, and I'm not going to apologise for saying that, because they did definitely want to return back to their more traditional sounds, because definitely uh, the pop album, uh, discotheque, were very much more of an experimentation alongside more dance and electronic-driven music as well and this was definitely pulling it back tugging it back in the right direction and of course on production duties you've got uh brian eno as we said before daniel lanois 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 and steve lillywhite now brian eno of course very famous for being part of roxy music uh, and on synths for them he and uh, a legend in his own right as a musician but i think what's great about this is that as co-producer he allows them to be that rock band and be inspired by their former sound but also the synths on this are actually quite beautiful aren't they and i think they do add mm. a layer to the track that adds to the um to the euphoria i suppose because they're quite glistening and eno has worked with them on some of their other albums as well such as joshua tree seminal album Achtung, baby yes uh, like why equally seminal mm. uh, and the unforgettable fire which is probably before your time before my time, but I do love that's what the title track I really like. And Brian often works with Daniel, they often collaborate. Uh, Daniel's also worked with the likes of Brandon Flowers, friend of the podcast. And then you've also got Steve Lillowhite on additional production, who has worked with the likes of The Killers, Morrissey. Mm. Turned out to be a quite nasty yeah. piece of work, actually, which is a shame. And Simple Minds, amongst many, many, many others. And I have to say, this did brilliantly worldwide. So number one in many, many territories. And you got to number 21 in the US, though. Hmm. Not for them. It was very successful at the Grammys as well. It won three, including Song of the Year, Record of the Year. Not really sure what the difference is there. And uh, Best Rock Performance by a duo or group with vocal. They've got a lot of awards at the Grammys, haven't they? And lots of very specific categories. Or you could go into one of the houses and play... Grab a Grammy. Oh. <laughs> so track two now. And Dan, this was you uh, when you uh, were rumbled by the boy from the chip shop's boyfriend after trying yet another corny line out on him. Stuck in a moment you can't get out of. So that's stuck in a moment you can't get out of and will very pleased to announce track two, single two. It is single two and it got to, so single one got to number one, single two got to number two. Ah, I wonder if that's going to continue. Hmm, interesting. Now Dan, when, you, when we started playing this song, you said one of your favourites. Yeah. Why? Uh, just there's something about, I think you two are one of those bands who can do upbeat, kind of rocky, energetic things really well. They can also do ballads, we mentioned before, like With or Without You, really well. And we're going to hear both on this album. But this, as a ballad, as a ballad release as a single, it's heartfelt, it's got lots of emotion, but 
there's some there's still a little bit of experimentation with some of the sounds, the more percussive sounds, I suppose, that's coming that that Eno and Lanoir are bringing to this song. Also, really, really beautiful lyrics because this was written about the suicide of Michael Hutchins, who was a good friend of Bono. And I think for me that knowing that it kind of just adds, gives something else to the song. Uh, but Will, what do you think to the track? Uh, I do like it. I, it's a little bit slower. Yeah. Um, but again, it's another one of the tracks of this album, Unmistakable, because you, it was just played everywhere when it came out, wasn't it? I've got a very specific memory as well of this being performed by the band on CD UK. CD UK? Yeah. It's one, it's, and I think you 2 are one of those strange acts who, you know, at this point they were one of the biggest rock bands in the world doing huge tours. And then on CD UK you'd have the likes of, you know, Billy Piper or someone very poppy. But also because they were doing very well in the charts and because their music's quite accessible, it was right that they performed on there as well. So they bumped into... S Club 7 in the dressing rooms. Oh, lovely. Love to have heard a conversation between uh, Tina and Bono. Oh, putting the world to rights. Mm. Uh, and uh, there were three versions of this track kicking about. So you had the album version, a radio edit, and an acoustic version as well, if you're into that sort of thing. Not for me. I think the acoustic version actually was the uh, hint of a tease that was put out or, or perhaps put in streaming for the first time Uh to coincide with the upcoming release of the 20th anniversary ah, version. Ah, so more to come on that. Yes. Not for you, though. No, not, not for me, though. <laughs> uh, there's a good B-side, actually, for this track, which I really like, which is called Big Girls Are Best. Would you agree with the sentiment? Yes. Yes? Absolutely. Uh, it's a funkier number. Um, makes me think of Fat Bottom Girls. Oh, I was thinking of Big Girl, You Are Beautiful. Oh, yes. Mm. So let's move on then to track three. I really hope this is going to be single number three. I know it is. This is Elevation. So that was Elevation. And Will, while that song was playing, you said to me, this isn't the f- your favourite version of this song. No, I have to say, this is my favourite song on the album. Mm-hmm. But I think like a lot of people, uh, the Tomb Raider mix is the one I'm most familiar and I like the most. So shall we have a little bit of that? If we're lucky. If we're lucky. If we've got the look of the Irish. Ah, top of the morning to you. Let's have a bit of that now. Lots of added electronics, added guitars, added oomph. Yeah. And of course, it's not called the Tomb Raider mix for no reason, is it? No. <laughs> it did feature in the Tomb Raider film with Lara Croft, with Lara Croft, that's the character, with Angelina Jolie. Uh, which hint I've, film. I've never seen. Have you seen it? Yes. It's uh, one of my favourite things about it is uh, Mr. Brutus is her butler. Oh, really? Yeah. Chris oh. Barry. British Empire. And from Red Dwarf fame as well. Of course. Um, it's it's a bit of a giggle, um, but it's obviously not going to set the world on fire. I did well enough to get a sequel. Oh, yes, of course. Featuring then... a Daniel Craig character. Ah. Oh, well, Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, talking of Chris's, this remix was done by Chris Vrenner, uh, who has previously played in Nine Inch Nails as well as Marilyn Manson. Two artists there who probably won't get featured in track by track proper. He played played inside Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Quite a few men can say that. No, that's disgusting. Oh. <laughs> Rest in peace. So this was single three, wasn't it? This was single three. And of course, to go with the film, there was a epic music video. Do you remember the video? No, I'm just laughing to myself because you're not going to believe this. But it got to number three in the charts. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. No, single four has got a lot to live up to. So the music video had a, a concept of U2 and then an evil version 
of the band as well. Now, Will, can you think of another music video that featured the band and then an evil version of the band as well? <laughs> Spice Girls? Steps, I was thinking. Steps. I'm sure Summer of Love, they were doing their little dance, doing their little shimmy, and then there was a, a more darker, gloomier version of the band as well. Some sort of dance-off, I think. Uh, so I like to a, think it's a common trope, isn't it, in music videos? Mm, I like to think uh, you two are inspired by Steps. But, uh, <laughs> it might be mistaken. Uh, it was one of the most at the time one of the most expensive music videos made. Yes, I do remember buying this on CD single as well because you could probably get four for a tenner at W H Smiths, and uh, I do enjoy really. I do remember really enjoying the remixes, but also being quite pleasantly surprised because despite the fact that. Uh, there was a lot of remixes of U2 from, like you said, Perfecto with even better than the real thing. It was great. I thought it was great that U2 were continuing to explore dance music, even though they returned to a rockier sound. Uh, and maybe more about that later. Oh. Just a little hint of a tease for my further listening. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, tra- single three got to number three. Uh, and do you know what? It did brilliantly. It actually did better in the United States than the previous singles. Maybe because it was attached to a movie. Yes, and... A major motion picture. A movie, track by track. Movie magic. Two podcasters. One cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd like to see that on the big screen. Um, the fact as well that there was a new version of the song always gets the fans out there spending money, doesn't it? So, uh, as... Keeps the single campaign alive. Well, yes. So, track four? Yes. Walk on. Walk on there, single four. Will, tell me it got to number four in the charts. Oh, you're going to kick yourself, Dan. It got to number five. Oh, fucking hell. Language. Sorry, I'm just really annoyed about that. <laughs> My OCD. It's it looking so good. Yeah. Are you sure there wasn't a, a single a, a single before this that got to number four? I'm afraid, no. I'm Secret afraid track? Not. No. No? Okay. No. Killed that one. So this is uh, the band at this point in the album flexing uh, a bit more of their political uh, muscle. Definitely. And of course, politics and U2 have gone hand in hand for a long time, haven't they? Many people remember um, uh, Live Aid. Of course, they were part of uh, Band Aid and then they wanted to perform at Live Aid. And Bono had that moment where obviously they had a very limited time to perform. And Bono went into the crowd and hugged uh, a member of the crowd. And it actually ate into about five minutes of their allotted time, which actually I read not long afterwards. Um, it was the closest the band have come to splitting up because the rest of them were so furious they were just kind of playing away not knowing where it was going to go um but i think for bono that was kind of a bit of a statement it was i could be singing the song right now but i'm i'm embracing someone i'm showing love and they've continued to do that with music and with actions as well and listeners that fan was a young lisa scott lee <laughs> really uh really gave her the push to be where she is today be list on capital Really fired her up. Mm. Really put the kind of musical uh, bug inside her. Gave her the electricity, mm. if you like. to Elevation. Yes. Uh, so, Will, thoughts on this song? Uh, it is uh, not one of my favourites on the album, but I love the inspiration behind it, which was Burmese academic Aung Sung Soo Kai. Uh, and also it's got a great guitar riff in it as well. Yeah. I love, th- I love this song. And... When singles one, two, and three, I loved, bought them on a single, couldn't get enough of those tracks. This one for me was uh, a, a, a grower more than a shower. Um, and it was only years later when I really appreciated the track. I didn't buy this one on a CD single. I'm afraid to say, sorry, you two. Sorry, Asda. Well, that's why I didn't get to number four. Oh, shit. It's my fault. There's only one copy difference in it. Jesus. Um, and interestingly, though, Will, talking about the inspiration for the song, it then 
went on to have a new meaning because this was released as a single only a couple of months after 9-11 and it was performed. It was a, a concert called America, a tribute to heroes. And it kind of, because lyrically it has got that sort of empowering message, it became a symbol of hope, I suppose. But as a result of the political message in this, it was actually banned in Burma. Or the whole album was. The buggers. Mm. Well, I think it still sold a couple of copies. They'll be okay. So, track five now. Uh, this is Kite. Something is about to give. I can feel it coming. I think I know what is. I'm not afraid to die. I'm not afraid to live And when I'm flat on my back So Kite there, Will, not single number five, didn't chart number five. We are in album track territory. But I have to say, this is one of my highlights of the album. Partly because, a little bit like I said about With or Without You, it's got uh, personal meaning to me. This song, actually, a very good friend of mine who introduced me to uh, U2 and really got me into them as a band uh, passed away and this song has, makes me think of her but also I just think it's beautiful I think the the synths again Brian you know that the synths sound like a kite or sound like the wind well, the strings as well in this in this track yes definitely and then Bono's vocal as well I think we haven't talked about it yet but it's it's an iconic vocal it's I've often thought if I could sing like anyone in the world it'd be Bono or maybe Shirley Bassey <laughs> well, oh, who's would yours be? Um, uh, Katie Price. Oh, lovely. A whole new. Uh, this is yeah. It's, this is definitely an album track, but this is one of those more different sounds that you can only get on having an album full of all sorts of different uh, approaches. But I do like. It definitely feels like. You know, something kind of whir- whirring and soaring around in the sky. Yes, definitely. Very windy. Whi- very windy. And lyrically... Lyrically... The the lyrics do say, Who's to say where the wind will take you? Who's to say what it is will break you? I don't know which way the wind will blow. Who's to know when the times come around? Don't want to see you cry. I know that this is not goodbye. I think what I liked about that, thinking about uh, my friend Judy, was that... It was kind of there was a there was an element of hope to it as well as it being a, a sort of a song for someone and also Bono dedicated this song to his father who passed away in two thousand and one so it wasn't written for his father but then for him it took on this new meaning. Mm. That's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, very much so. And for Judy as well. And for Judy, my lovely friend. I have to say, when I saw I saw you two at Glastonbury, this will not surprise you, will, but I don't really remember much of the set. <laughs> I went on my own as well. None of my friends wanted to see them with me. So I went on my own, got really close to the front. And yeah, barely remember any of it. But I remember they sang With or Without You. And I sort of looked up to the skies, very drunk, very emotional, and sort of sang, the, sang it to Judy. And then hit the floor out cold. Yes. Yes. That's what I wanted. Sorry, Dan. I just ruined that lovely moment no, no. there. With a... Judy would have liked it. <laughs> <laughs> She'd have been trampling over me. <laughs> so track number six now. This is In a Little While. In a little while. Oh, well, you okay? Yeah, it's just a bit more. Uh, just suits the suits the, the theme of the track, doesn't it? Well, yes, it does actually. Yes, and a bit, a bit more professional as well. Oh, you mean I'm not always professional? So, what do you <laughs> think to this song, then, Will? It's uh, it's not one of my favourites uh, on the album, but I was reading apparently uh, Brandon Flowers performed this with Bono. And I could really imagine him singing it. I could, and I didn't know that well, but I can imagine, yeah, 
we are, of course, huge fans of The Killers. I can imagine they are just as influenced by U2 as we know they are by bands like Pet Shop Boys. They really do fuse that sound together, don't they? And uh, I'd love to hear that. I might have to go on a little YouTube sprint after this. Oh, I love falling down a YouTube hole. Yes. Just love falling down any hole, really. Falling. <laughs> falling like Dawn French in that, Vicar Dibley, where oh, she goes in the big puddle. Lovely. Even better when she did it again a little while afterwards. Uh, milking it. So, Dan, there's a familiar name on the production for this track. Yes, there is. And we alluded to this at the start of the episode. So uh, Richard Stannard of Bifco fame. We've talked about Bifco a lot lately on the podcast with uh, work on Say Something by Kylie and also... Melanie C. Melanie C, In and Out of Love. Um, And yeah, I I was so surprised to read this recently that Richard Stannard actually worked on this song with you two. It's the only one in the album that he played a part in. Um, and for me, it's the beat, it's the percussion that's very different and distinct on this song. Uh, and, and in fact, the entire song sounds quite stripped. And I think it's fantastic. And I know a lot of people actually who are casual U2 listeners, but really have uh, an affiliation, if you like, with this song. There's just something about it that they find very pleasing. And so before we move on from this one, another thing that I love about this song is that it is recorded or produced in stereo and I think this is one of my first experiences of hearing a song that way where it is all percussion on one side and all uh, vocal and guitar on the other and I remember hearing I think I just had one headphone in or I just had one speaker on for some strange reason and being really confused by it but I think it is um, because nowadays it's I think that that style is used less and less Um, but it really adds something to it and it was actually in a weird way it did make me appreciate uh, the track a little bit more. Ah. That's lovely. Track number seven now, and it's just reminded me I need to pop down to Holland and Barrett in a minute. No, what for? Wild Honey. was bread and honey wild honey thank you <laughs> but i do like some wild honey on some lovely uh thick cut stone baked bread with some butter on and wild honey and particularly wild honey made locally to you is a fantastic natural hay fever remedy ah. because it's made with a pollen that's you know getting up your hooter i mean i just pump loads of stuff up my nose cocaine <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> uh, don't take drugs. But also... Free choice. <laughs> so Wild Honey there, it's got a real country twang to it. A lovely country twang and a lovely... It's very. Fu- what a fun song. You know, mm. wasn't sure if we'd say that all episode, but what a fun song. The fact that it is such a fun song, though, was um, made it not a favourite of some of the bands. I think I read that it nearly didn't make the album... And also that Larry Mullen uh, has just said it's not one of his favourites. Quite open about that. Not a big fan of this one. Larry Mullen. Larry Mullen Jr., get inside. (laughs) (laughs) That's not offensive. How dare you? (laughs) Oh, we've done so well to get this far into the episode and not um, do any bad accents. Yes, and uh, apologies if anyone's offended by those, but we say them with love. Um, And this is also featured, um, not that I want to watch the film but it features in the film Vanilla Sky oh Vanilla Sky and it does sound like a dessert Vanilla Sky with a wild honey oh uh, topping I just want a vanilla slice now delicious Mm. stick away from the top oh so despite the fact (laughs) it isn't one of the band's favourite on this album seemingly I really like it I really like this bit of a breather because there are a lot of heavier moments there's stuck in a moment you can't get out of there's walk on there's lots of politics Um, and there's some more coming up but I think this is a great uh, upbeat moment. And again, lyrically, lyrically, it talks about in the days when we were swinging from the trees, I was a monkey stealing honey from a swarm of bees. That's fun, isn't it, Will? Well, I'd rather you than me on that, actually. Mm. Quite a few nasty stings. 
Uh, Shall we move on? Yes, wonderful idea. Uh, so this is track number eight now. Dan, don't get excited. This isn't a Christmas song. Oh. Uh, Peace on Earth. Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man alive? Peace on Earth. Tell the ones who hear no sound whose sons are living in the ground. Peace on Earth. No, who's the wise? No one cries like a mother cries for peace on Earth. Peace on Earth. And this is a very personal song, uh, again, for the band. Um, It's linked to the Omar bombing back in 1998 uh, and uh, inspired by names of people who were killed during the bombing. Yeah. And I think, you know, the slow down, the tempo, it's very reflectional, isn't it? It's very respectful as well. Yeah. Um, that bit about the names, uh, I think, is the... It, it really does... I've got goosebumps talking about it now because it's the... You two are not afraid to take a, a, a real-life moment or a political moment and write a song about it. But here, they're reading out names that I assume are some of the names of people who died. Sean and Julia, Gareth, Anne and Brenda... Uh, their lives are bigger than any big idea. It's kind of, it's the reality. It's not a song about uh, a made-up situation or emotional made-up situation. This is real. This happened. Mm. And interestingly that you said it's not a Christmas song because later on um, there's a line, peace on earth, hear it every Christmas time. It does reference Christmas. So it's kind of, it kind of is a Christmas song, isn't it? Also, like with Walk On and just, you know, I suppose it was, only natural that songs released around the time of 2001 and uh, what happened with September the 11th, this is another song that Peace on Earth brought on a new meaning uh, from that as well and was also performed at that aforementioned uh, concert. Now, Will, do you wish for Peace on Earth when you've got those candles in front of you and it's your birthday? Or, let me rephrase that, as well as that, what else do you wish for? I think this year more than ever I've thought about wanting everything to be better in the world not just covid but mm. just everything that's going on in the states uh you know the brianna taylor um black lives matter movement some of the craziness you you hear about with the views and protestations people have right now some of the political ridiculousness happening in the uk and in and in the states at the moment not to mention ongoing health concerns i think now is the time more than ever to be thinking about wanting peace for everyone Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, it seems strange taking a bit of time out on track by track to, you know, you two have really inspired us to be a little bit more serious uh, today, perhaps, than usual. But the, what we've been dealt a few blows in 2020. Um, and yeah, so uh, please, whoever's listening, next year. You do get more reflective as you get towards the end of the year as well. When mm. you do talk about Christmas, you think about the end of the year, New Year's, resolutions, fresh starts. It's hard to see at the moment kind of how the year is going to end yeah particularly when it feels like things in some respects are harder again yeah and those poor students oh at time of recording yeah students at uni going to have the best three years of their life stuck in halls practically in imprisoned uh with only a few pot noodles and a bottle of scrumpy jack for company sounds delicious yeah actually i might get myself over there actually (laughs) Oh, I wonder what to have for dinner tonight. <laughs> um, there we are. We're back again. Yes. Um, but that's what this that's what this podcast is about, isn't it, Will? We recognise what's happening in the world, but we want to also provide uh, lighthearted, something more lighthearted. Yeah. Uh, but I think a great opportunity to think more respectfully. Definitely. Let's move on to track uh, number nine now. Um, which could equally be something reflective as well. Yep. Uh, when I look at the world. Yes. 
When you look at the world, what is it that you see? Well, everything that I just said in at the end of the last track. Right, so track 10 now. <laughs> no, but again, this is about some tragedy and how someone is affected by that, how someone's beliefs are affected by that. But it has a little bit more of a kind of whimsical approach, particularly with the synth that's running in there. Yeah, and the guitars as well, I think. The guitars and the synths work beautifully in this song and they glide. It's got a real feeling of kite uh, to me, this one. It's got they're very, in the, very much in the same league, uh, the same sort of sound. But I do have to say, I think this is a fine album track. Again, like kite, like In A Little While, I think the, the quality of the album tracks on this album are up there. I think that's why this is thought to be one of their, one of their best studio albums. It's certainly one of their most popular, one of the most... Uh, critically acclaimed, one of their best-selling studio albums because there's just, yeah, a wonderful quality to every single song. Um, They actually mean something, these album tracks. They're not just froth that's chucked in to pad out a a long player, are they? Yeah, absolutely. All killer, no filler. So, track number 10 now, and Dan, a little bit of a quiz coming up after this one for you. This is New York. (laughs) Forget, forget how the sit still. Tell yourself you will stay in, but it's down to alphabet. New York, New York, New York. So New York, there. Will, are you a fan of New York, the place? I love New York. This is going to be my quiz question for you, Dan. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I forgot about the quiz. How many songs can you think of that uh, have New York in the title? Okay. Uh, New York, New York by Frank Sinatra. I Love New York by Madonna. New York, I Love You, But You're... Oh, what's the song by LCD Sound System? New York, I Love You, But You're Bringing Me Down. Is that it? Something like that. Something like that. Close enough. Yeah. Um... You're missing out on a big one. Moving to New York by... Wombats. Wombats, yeah. Am I still missing a big one? Yeah, a New huge York one. by U2. New York by U2, yeah. yes. Oh, Dan, this is track by track. I'm thinking of a New the York... essence of track by track. Oh, New York City boy. Oh, thank goodness. Sorry, Neil and Chris. Sorry, Neil and Chris. I know you listen. Um, Yes, of course. That is probably my favourite song about New York as well. So this song, uh, Bono has said that it was a tribute to Frank Sinatra and Lou Reed. Lou Reed had an album called New York. Frank Sinatra, of course, the classics on New York, New York. And Bono wrote verses, sorry, about uh, both of them. They didn't make it onto the album, Will. Oh. Didn't make it into the final song. Hey, maybe I've not really looked at the full track listing for the upcoming uh, special edition. Maybe, if we're lucky, it might be on there. So we're on to the last track of the album proper. And this is Grace. Great time to talk about the album artwork. And also, double whammy, it's petered out. Oh, has it? Well, do you not think? Let's talk about the album artwork. So you have got uh, the band, they're waiting at an airport uh, with their instruments and uh, clutch bags uh, waiting to get on a flight. Mm. Thinking about all that they can't leave behind. So hopefully they've got their passports. Yes. They've got their uh, travel adapters. Yep. Uh, they've got their little bag with all of their uh, toiletries in. Um, and hopefully they're starting to loosen their belts as well. Oh, good. Yeah. You have to. For, oh, well, for I, security. I, oh, Because well, they're going to take them off at security. 
I, I try and have as little hassle with that as possible. So I don't wear a belt when I'm... Uh, well, traveling. actually, when we went on holiday, you walked through in just your pants. Well, there was... And yet the alarm still went off. <laughs> I was... Uh, you got a Prince Philip. <laughs> uh, and then just on the top, along the roof of the airport, you've got all, you two, all that you can't leave behind. And I think it's a beautiful photo, actually. It's a piece of art. It really is, yeah. Uh, taken by their longtime photographer, Anton uh, Dubek. Corbin. Close, but no cigar. <laughs> uh, who does a lot of uh, U2 and Depeche Mode's artwork and videos and things like that. Dan, what did you think of the track? It. Now, I don't know if I agree that it's petered out. It's certainly my least favourite song on the album. But after New York and the kind of raucousness of that, um, I do quite like that it's a softer, gentler moment. But yeah, it is without a doubt my least favourite song on the album at the same time. So just a word then about the performance of this album, reception of this album. Uh, And this was very well received. So four out of five stars for Q, seven out of 10 from Enemy. The Guardian... Uh, gave it five stars out of five. Wow. Uh, it was very favorably reviewed and uh, received, and it was also a number one album in the UK, uh, as it was pretty much across the globe. And well-deserved. Apart from in the US, where it's number three. Um, so very much seen as a return to their roots, a return to form. Not that there's anything wrong with the last album. No. Uh, but it wasn't everyone's cup of tea. Uh, so yeah, a great positive place to leave uh, the album on but not the end of the episode further listening dan what are the parameters today for our you two further listening well they as we said before there was four singles each with a couple of cds there's lots of extra material out there from this era of you two who knows well who knows how long track by track is going to go on for uh, we might come back to every single you two album including the one very kindly put on our phones for us uh so we're going to stick to this era of the band and will i'd love to invite you to go first so i have gone for i'm gonna get my banger out of my uh oh pocket this is uh the perfecto remix of beautiful day So that was the Perfecto remix of Beautiful Day. Perfecto, do you know who Perfecto is, Dan? I do not know who Perfecto are. It's Paul Oakenfold. Oh, I did know that. I forgot that. <laughs> Genuinely, just one of those things. And this was, um, even better than the real thing, is the best uh, Perfecto remix of you 2 in my opinion. But this is a close second. Yeah, it's great. It's all, We talked before about how... Uh, uplifting and energetic the track is and this just really adds to that would be you can imagine in the clubs in the pubs and clubs maybe of Ibiza and Ayanapa in 2000 this getting played and uh, being a real highlight of the night and as ever Dan when a banger like this comes on you just try to pass something under my nose there oh well just uh, just topping you up thank you very much yeah. uh, uh, and if you want to cut to the chase and get to it where it all goes off 4 minutes 20 into that is where can really have some fun. Dan! So I am going to go for a remix or a version, I should say, of uh, Elevation. We've talked about the album version. We've talked about the Tomb Raider mix. We talked before about how Bifco worked on in a little while, but there is a Bifco mix of Elevation. So let's hear a bit of that now. Lift me up out of these blues Won't you tell me something true I believe in you Dan, 
And that sounded very much like the original. It's similar, but a little funkier. <laughs> yes. You, well, that's easy for you to say. It's, um, I think it just, of course, we know Biffco as being behind a lot of big pop bangers. Very polished pop producers. Yes. And I think it's just, it, it gives it a bit of a, an extra shine. Um, and, and also, I wasn't aware of that until researching this episode. So I just wanted everyone to get the chance to hear that. We're out of time. Well, there we go. You too on track by track. How was it for you, Will? Uh, uh, not as painful as I thought it was going to oh, be. Thank goodness. Doctor. <laughs> <laughs> so do let us know, listener, what you thought. Are you a long time track by track listener and you never have listened to a U2 album? What did you think to it? Or are you a U2 fan and this is your first track by track episode? Let us know at track by track UK. And if you have a moment and you've enjoyed today's episode, do give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, please. Also, don't forget, we are back on Saturday with a new music drop where we are shining a spotlight on some of uh, the latest tracks from new artists and track by track favourites. And Dan, can you give us a hint of a tease as to who's coming up next on the track by track proper next Tuesday? So, as mentioned before, all of this month is about iconic albums from track by track faves, and I'm including you two in that, turning 20. This is by a five piece uh, mixed group, and this was their third studio album. And their last studio album for a while. And uh, we hope to hear and see you, or maybe just know you're listening uh, in a week's time. And see you on Saturday. And see you next Tuesday. So until next time. I've been Bono. And I've been Larry Mullen Jr. Goodbye. Goodbye. But you didn't enjoy those pigeons fluttering around, did you? Oh, bless. They, well, you know, they thought they saw a wiggly worm, so uh, <laughs> I can forgive them. <laughs> uh, and they must be very eagle-eyed to have spotted that. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>